not just cheese and chocolate, a Swinglish podcast about books and other stuff I like. from Switzerland and this is the sixth episode in my podcast. All music used in this podcast is provided by my husband Rolf. You can contact me via the podcast blog at notjustcheeseandchocolate.wordpress.com where you also find the episode notes and information on all the books I mention. In this episode we turn things on their head and start with the guest. Diane from our English book club knew I had trouble finding the right content for this episode. So she used our book club meeting as an inspiration and sent me her contribution in advance. Hello, hello. Please excuse my voice. I have allergies and I woke up with something to say. The burning question I took to the book club that hadn't met in well over a year was, when do you stop reading a book that you're not enjoying or isn't interested? I had a book with me called The Librarian, and I had thought it would be wonderful hearing what a librarian had to say. And it's a new book, but you would have thought it was written in in the 1940s because it was like, how to be an adult. It was an easy reader feeling. It was really crappy. Um, and it was written in, <laughs> in recent times. And the main character, the librarian, um, she sounded like a virgin from the 1940s. It was amazing. And um, as a librarian for children's books, you would have thought her readers were all fellow librarians because instead of giving you an example for things she liked or things she recommended for children, it was like she made a list of her 12 favorites. Anyway, I meant to ask the other ladies what they thought about this. We hadn't had a book to read, and I thought, well, when is enough enough? Let's talk about when you decide not to finish a book. Or do we always need to finish a book? We'd already talked a bit about needing, and we all said at some point, books are a pleasure and for free time. So why would you feel a need or is it a compulsion to read it? Is that something we grew up with when books were very expensive? Who knows? But I wanted to take that to the book club again. I also wanted to give the book, The Librarian, back to um, uh, the reading place. We have a where we meet, there's a, I don't know what you call it, there's shelves, 
And if there's something you don't want, you can just put it there. But I first wanted to show it to our librarian who said, oh, I'd be interested in looking at it. And then I had talked so poorly about it, everyone else wanted to take a look at it too. And that brought up our way of saying enough is enough. And to my big surprise, I came home with a book. So who's to say what the bottom line is? But to read or not to read, that is the question. One of our members um, had said when we were planning to meet again, she didn't know if she could come because her sister had died. So we all sent our condolences. And of course, we were very happy when she said she would be back in time for the next meeting. And we asked about how things went. And we heard that she and her sister were not very close. And she is an avid book reader. And her sister sort of belittled her reading and couldn't understand why anyone would waste their time reading. Huh. How different, even with similar genes, we can be, huh? I'm an avid reader, but my brother doesn't like to read at all. Once when he was struggling a little bit, when he moved back from where he lived in the States to take care of our mom, um, he decided he would try going into real estate, and he was very fired up about it. Well, I bought him all these books on real estate that he had mentioned. These were good books that he'd seen because he even went into a bookstore. The dear lad did not read one of them. I spent over a hundred francs, uh, dollars at the time on his one-time interest in books. and He never cracked a cover. It just shows to go. But when you love something, you love it. And that's all that's important. And if it pleases you, hey, life is meant to be pleasure too. And books can teach us so much about life and everything else. And it makes us think rather than just feeding us, which is how I feel about when you Google something. I'd rather read a book usually. I still love books more than almost anything. And I'm not a very patient person. But if I have a book, I think I can get through almost anything. Waiting in line, waiting for a decision, waiting for bad news, whatever. If you've got a book, you've got a friend with you. So... How do you think about ending a book? Can you end a book? All right. How about sharing how you feel about books? Because it's pretty clear we all have different opinions on it. Enjoy reading. Happy days, book lovers. Happy days. Let's talk. Let's share. Let's read our books. Bye. Following Diane's lead, I will talk about the famous DNF and about different reading habits in siblings.
DNF uh, is an abbreviation for did not finish. So there is not really any negative aspect to the formulation of the DNF. But often when I see it on the internet, it's used as a degradatory remark about the book. I DNF this. This was a DNF for me. I have an account on Goodreads and I use Goodreads shelf to sort my books by what I'm reading right now, which is always too many books at the same time. Uh, what I finished under the read label and then I have a shelf for DNF. There are not many books on it and one shelf for books that I will maybe come back to later. I just forgot how I named that shelf, but it's a shelf for books that I hesitate to put on the DNF shelf because I might come back to that book later when I'm in the mood or when the right time comes to read that book. Why don't I have many books on my DNF shelf? This is because I choose my books wisely. <laughs> now, I, I know how to choose books that fit my tastes. I use Goodreads for recommendations. I listen to many podcasts for recommendations. But in the end, I will know early on when I start reading or reading the text on the back of the book on the, or in the front, I will know soonish that this is not for me. And then I won't put it on the DNF shelf. I would have to make a did not start shelf, a DNS shelf for those. I mostly start books that I already know I will like. It's really seldom that I realize later in the book that this is absolutely not for me. What happens more often is that I read like 11 or 12 books at the same time, some in paper format, some in ebook format, some as audiobooks, most of them currently in audio format. And then I will realize that I haven't opened one of those in a year. <laughs> so I decide to put them on the in-between shelf, the shelf that is not currently reading, but is also not DNF, because uh, it doesn't seem to be the right time for this book. And I will still keep it on that shelf to remind myself that this might be something I want to come back to later. Uh, why don't I do it instantly on the DNF shelf if I haven't read in it for a year? <laughs> I think it's because I want to be kind towards books, which is silly because books don't have actual feelings. And even if I want to be kind towards the writer of the book, he or she doesn't know I'm reading it or I'm not finishing it. Usually she won't know. But still, I try to be kind towards books because I'm one of those people that think judging books should seldom be done. Because even if I don't like the book or it doesn't work for me at the time, it might work for someone else perfectly. We all know tastes are so different. 
it, it might be the perfect book for, for a friend of mine or for a neighbor or from that lady walking her dog, but it's just not the book for me. Or it might be the wrong book this time of the year or for my mood. I'm very much a mood reader. For example, I have right now a, a big, big fantasy book waiting for me. It's the third volume in a huge uh, series. And I think even the fourth volume has come out. And because of the pandemic, I just wasn't in the mood for big, big fantasy books because there's a huge struggle. Um, there happen a lot of bad things. I know in the end it will be worthwhile reading the book, but I just wasn't in the right state of mind to read that heavy book because it's long, it's a huge commitment, it will take a lot of time away from me. And also there are all the sad things happening that happen before then the ending will be good, of course. But I wasn't in the mood for that, so I have still not started, even for a good friend and my son, they're always asking me, have you started it yet? Have you started it yet? And I always tell them, no, it hasn't been the right time. So I won't put that on my DNF shelf, because I know I will read it. If I live long enough, I will read it someday and probably soonish, because I feel that now I'm in a better place and I will probably be able to tackle some heavier books that I couldn't read in the last year or so. Some books have something in the content that make me stop reading them. If it's really offensive to something that is important to me. Or uh, lately I started an audiobook. Uh, that sounded really funny, but then I realized that much of the fun was in the leading lady, the main character, making fun of other women or making other women look bad. And that made me dislike her so much that I didn't continue reading the book. I didn't put it on my DNF, I think, because I had not yet put it on my currently reading shelf. So there was no reason to place it there. But that was something that I did not want to read. A woman putting other women down to make herself sound more appealing, more intelligent. That's something I don't need. I don't need that in my reading life. So I did not continue reading that book. I'm right now, I'm reading an audiobook. I'm listening to an audiobook uh, that is labeled as a mystery. And I was very lucky with Cozy Mysteries uh, lately. So I was looking forward to listening to it. And it started out fine. The narration is very good. And then after hours, I realized that nothing much is happening. The mystery, I think it's already resolved. She does a lot of foreshadowing and uh, discussing things that might later be important. There are a lot of characters introduced constantly. And I'm starting to doubt that this all has anything to do with the mystery. Maybe she's just talking about the life of that main character and uh, I'm getting to know her even though her life is pretty boring to me at least and nothing much else will probably happen in this book so it's not mysterious at all there is no 
pace, no urgency, no plot that drives the story forward. So maybe I will end it or maybe I will continue it just to not feel like I didn't finish it. So this is a hard one. I've already invested so many hours listening to it that I will probably end it and be disappointed. But then I will write a scoffing Goodreads review of it and that will give me pleasure. So no, I'm never scoffing. Don't believe me when I say that. I'm never scoffing. I'm always kind towards the books. I already mentioned that. And on Goodreads, there's actually a chance that authors will read my review. I hope they don't. They shouldn't because it could hurt their feelings if the readers write bad things about their books. Uh, but there is a chance that they will read my review. So I'm I'm very careful how I write about books. I always write that this is my personal opinion, that it didn't work for me. I write about my feelings while reading it and that I wasn't in the right place or I didn't like a certain character or setting or subject matter or how it something was treated, that it, did, it wasn't for me and that I didn't want to read that book or that I read it, but it didn't work for me and that I was bored, for example. I will write about that and I will give it less stars than I usually give. So that later on, when I check out that author, I can go on my Goodreads shelf and say, oh, I didn't much like that book by her, so maybe I won't read more books by her. But you know what? I once read a Tessa Dare book that I didn't much like and later on I read other books by her that I adored. So it's always good to give a second chance to an author that wrote a book that you didn't like. Because, as I said, uh, you never know, maybe it was you or the mood or the time of the year and later on it might work for you. We talked about this subject at the book club meeting that Diane mentioned and one of our members said that a bookseller once told her that life is too short to finish a bad book and she's certainly right. I already have more books on my Kindle e-reader than I will be ever able to read in my life. I will need several lives to finish them, must turn into a vampire or something. Uh, so she's completely right uh, and you never know how long you have to live so maybe you should start out reading the good books and maybe put the other ones to the side. Also she said as a tip uh, someone once told her to read page 99 to see if the book is for you because sometimes like with the book I mentioned before that started out great the beginning might be very good but maybe it's later on that the book slacks or just gets slower or doesn't hold its promises to you so page 99 seems to be a good page to read to see if later in the book it still works for you. There is a very good podcast that I'm regularly listening to. It's called Reading Glasses. 
and Bree and Mallory in that podcast, a very professional podcast, it's not like me. They talk about your reading life and give tips and advice and not so many recommendations. It's not a recommendation podcast, it's really more about making your reading life better. That's how they say it, I think. And they regularly talk about that there is no book shame and with book shame they mean that some people hesitate to say what they're reading because they think others will think they're dumb or what they're reading is not a good book. For example, I'm uh, big on reading romance and I've never been ashamed of this, maybe because uh, people around me didn't know romance as a genre because uh, I'm not from an English-speaking country. So they just didn't know what I was reading there. But sometimes they saw me with the book, so they would ask about the sometimes very cheesy or strange covers. And I would laugh it off. I put my romance books on the first shelf in the room so everybody can see my romance collection. I'm very proud of it. But apparently many, many people are ashamed of reading romance because people have told them that it's like porn or that it's badly written or that it's for stupid people. I don't know that it's for women. <laughs> Maybe that is the critic. Uh, so I don't know all that much about that because I was introduced to romance by two very intelligent uh, women that were slightly older than me that introduced me to the genre and the one was a veterinarian and the other was a bookkeeper and they were both fluent in several languages and very well educated and also read other stuff but romance was their favorite genre and they introduced me to it and I'm so thankful to them both that they did that for me and I'm also trying to introduce other people to the romance genre because it has been really good for my life to have romance in it. it uh, those books make me so happy. Sometimes they're funny, sometimes they're touching and they bring you in contact with your feelings and that's always a good thing. And some of the best writers in the world are romance writers, so you're lost if you don't try it out. Yes, Reading Glasses talks a lot about book shame and they say that there is none, that you can read what you want because, as we said before, life is too short. And they made a cup with two pictures of the hosts on each side of the cup where they are painted like saints in the Catholic Church. I hope this doesn't hurt anyone's feelings to hear that. Uh, they are painted like saints with each a book in their hand. I think one has an e-reader in her hand and the other a book. And they absolve you of your book shame. And one of the book shames apparently is for many people to not finish a book. They force themselves to finish a book even though they don't enjoy it. And I know that sometimes you have to read a book. I used to be a bookseller. I had to read certain newly published books. That was part of my job, even if I had to do it in my free time, of course. And it was also one of the reasons why I quit the job, because it was so much work 
and you worked late and then you went home and continued to work reading the books that maybe you didn't even want to read. But I know sometimes you're a student, you're a professor, you're someone who has to read texts or books for your job or for your education and then you do that. You pull through, you do it and uh, I hope it's worth it. But if you're reading in your free time for your pleasure, then please only read what you enjoy. Uh, and that's what the Reading Glasses podcast also tries to tell people. Don't force yourself. Don't make other people dictate what is a good book for you. Decide for yourself, even if it's the bestseller or a, a book that is recommended by a famous person or an author that you have been told is the new big thing, but you just don't feel it, then do as I do, maybe put it on the DNF shelf or put it on the other shelf, the one where you can come back to it later when you feel that you want to read that book, but don't finish it if you don't enjoy it. I hope I can show you a picture of the cup with the two book saints on it uh, in my podcast notes. Uh, it's really funny and you can even order it because it's part of the Reading Glasses merchandise. So I think this is what I wanted to say about DNFing books. DNF, do not finish or did not finish, is not something that makes a book a bad book. If you decide not to finish the book, that's with you and the book. And no one can tell you what you have to read, at least in your adult free time life. You are the one who chooses and not every author is for you, not every book is for you. And it's one of the great things about reading, finding out what you really like, what works for you. And for that you have to check out many different things, many different books, many different authors, many different genres. And then when you find the right thing, that's like finding love. It's, it's great because then you can continue in that genre or read all the books by that writer, go through the backlist and be really happy because reading should make you happy. Reading is something that makes me very happy and I want to share that with the world. That's what I try to do at the library when I'm working there. I want for everybody to find that perfect book that makes them a reader or makes them a happy reader. We once got a letter, maybe I can show you that letter, from a, a child, from a, a young girl. Uh, maybe she was a teen already. And she sent us a letter, a thank you note to the library that we turned her into a read into a reader because she found so many really good books with us and before she didn't like to read. And that's like the dream for me. The dream come true, helping someone to find that special book, that special series, that special writer, that special genre that works for them and makes them happy and makes it worth their while. Because not all of us are good or fast readers. For some of us, reading is really hard it's work. So the story has to be good that you take that upon yourself. If you could just sit in front of the television or in front of the computer and be entertained without work, 
So it's not work for me. For me, it's pure enjoyment. But I realize that it's not the same for everybody. But I assure you that if you read more, it gets easier. It gets easier. So it can be worthwhile to read a lot of easy, fast, fun books. And then you suddenly realize that you're a better reader than you were. And maybe you now can tackle that more difficult book that you didn't dare read before or, or that didn't work for you. But now you're in a different place because you're a better reader. And I don't mean better reader in the quality of book you're reading because who am I to judge the quality of books that anyone is reading? Uh, that's not my job. My job is like helping you to find the right read for you. Which is hard. It's very hard because I can't look into people's heads and know what works for them. And some people can't describe what they like. It's really hard for them. You ask, did you like that? Do you like that? And they just don't know, especially when you're working with children. They're really hard because they're super polite. So they will not tell you off if you're on the wrong track. They just will ignore your advice later on. But they're so polite, they will not tell you, no, old woman, you're on the wrong track. I don't want that kind of book. They just look at you with, uh, without giving any sign. And it's very hard to advise them on reading so that if I succeed with a child, like in the letter that we got from that young teen, then that is like the biggest success story ever, because I know I did my job right. So that was on DNFing books and on choosing books, on finding the right book and on not having any book shame, because you are you and what works for you works for you and may not work for others. But that's not your problem. Now, the second subject that uh, Diane mentioned and that came up at our book club meeting was the subject of siblings and how different we all are. And that's something that really fascinates me that you can have, you have to, not in every family you have the same parents, but say in my very traditional Swiss family, we were three kids and we had the same parents. And uh, my mother was a reader. My father was one of those people that really wanted to read more, but never found the time. But he had read in his youth and he liked books. So he collected some books because he thought books were important. So I had positive role models, which is something that helps you becoming a reader. I'm always astonished about people who start reading and are good readers, even though their family is completely not into books. I knew a, a lady that studied to be a bookseller along with me. She was one of the most intelligent people I ever met. And her parents couldn't read and didn't want to read and hated reading and hated books and hated everything that was linked to education. And they produced that super intelligent uh, lady who felt very ill at ease in her own family because she was so different and uh, later became a bookseller. And she, I don't know how that happens because she didn't have access to books. And usually as a librarian, I tell people, if you want to help your children to become readers, read in front of them, read to them, read with them and uh, expose them to books, to good books. Uh, bring them to the library, to the bookshop. 
whatever, uh, what works for your family. But if they never see you read, like, for example, my godson, I adore him. He's a lovely, lovely boy, but he doesn't read. He hates reading. Uh, he has read a few books because he had to for school, but he really doesn't like it. So he's always disappointed if I gift him books, which I try not to do too often because I know it doesn't please him. But still, I'm a librarian and a bookseller. I can't stop myself from doing it from time to time. So he doesn't like reading and I thought about it because his mother, she's a voracious reader. But I think he models himself after his dad and his dad doesn't read. He does other things, interesting things. So he does more of that stuff that his dad does. And that's okay. I mean, it's not like everybody should be a voracious reader. I know for kids it can be important. And that's something that's why I commiserate with parents who say their children are bad readers. They hate reading. They don't like to read because it does help in school if you're a good reader. If you're a good reader, you understand texts that are given to you in school and it's easier for you to write because you're a good reader. So it really helps you with school, with education and later on it helps helps you in life if you're a good reader. People who don't read very well and don't write very well, they have disadvantages. That's a fact. They often are very clever uh, with workarounds and I admire that because it's great if someone can't do a certain thing, it's sometimes fabulous how they find solutions that us other people that can, for example, read and write well, uh, would never find. They're very original, very intelligent, which is something that's important to know. It isn't a sign of lack of intelligence if you're not a good reader. That's just how your brain works or does not work and you have to work around that. And I enjoy it when a child or a person that is not a good reader finds the right book and then becomes or turns into a reader because I know it makes their life richer and it makes their life easier. Richer because of the stories they can access now and easier because of everything that is written in our lives that we need to read. Not always nice texts and it helps if you're able to do that easily and it's not hard work for you. But back to the siblings. Uh, we were three children. I had two brothers, younger brothers, but we were all pretty close in age. And when I was a young bookseller, I used my brothers as my models when someone asked for a book to gift to a child. I would check out if they, if that child was similar to me or to brother one or to brother two. Me, voracious reader from early on, learning to read was super easy. I remember that word uh, in front of the class. It was the name Susie, S-U-S-I. And I suddenly realized that I could read that word. And I have no memory of how I then started reading. I, I don't know if what I remember is correct, but I have this idea that in my first vacation, I already finished a whole pretty thick book about a little wooden horse and uh, enjoyed it and cried at the end because someone dies. So that was the start of my reading life. Reading was super easy. The thing was then to find the books, to find enough books so that I had always something to read. 
And I was so much of a reader that sometimes people tried to restrain my reading because I didn't do anything else but read. And then later on, I also wrote. So I did always uh, much more indoor activities than outdoor activities. And some people in my family wanted me to do more outdoors activities and turn into a more practical person and not just a reader. So you see, uh, that kind of child can also be troubling. So then my brother won. He was dyslexic and he had a really hard time learning to read, not because of his intelligence. We all know that he's very bright, but reading was hard for him. So when people gifted us books, they gave him books that were from the content below his age level. So he didn't have uh, any enjoyment in reading them. That was not a good uh, way to access his problem. So later he found a series of um, books about boys solving crimes and then he read those. And those were interesting enough that he finished them. And they, they saved him. They kind of saved him because he had he was very talented in mathematics. But you know those tests where you have to read a text and then find the mathematical solution. He couldn't do those because he couldn't read well enough to read them correctly. So that series about three boys solving crime, that series still exists. It's called Die Drei Fragezeichen. And uh, we still have a lot of, of readers for them at our library. And there are new writers writing them writing them better, I think. But at the time they saved my brother. And today as an adult man, he reads about one book a year. And I used to try and recommend him books that were really entertaining and fun and easy to read. And then later we realized that that would not work for him. He reads one work of literature. He reads, lit reads literary fiction. Once a year he finishes one book. He reads it page by page very slowly and because it's so slow going for him, he wanted to be a really good, elevated, well-written book that is worth his while. Uh, so he reads completely different things than I do and that's okay because it's him and we're different. And then Brother Free, he only read books about facts. He tried to read the, the lexicon. <laughs> because he wanted to know everything, to be all-knowing. So he started with the letter A and continued reading. I don't know how far he went. And he read books about, I remember he loved um, Gusto, you know, the man who tried to save sea creatures and was a diver and had a beautiful boat with which he followed the whales and the sharks and the dolphins. And he read books about that and he wanted to turn into, um, how do you call that? Someone who invents things, yes, into an inventor. So he read books about inventions. And where my two brothers met, they liked books about World War Two and about the planes used in World War Two. So they both read or looked at books about that subject. And that's something that they had in common. So you see, I, I had a family with three very different children in it, with very different reading patterns. So when I was a very young 
bookseller training to be a bookseller in the shop and someone asked me for a child i would try to find out is it someone who loves reading and you can like give them any book that is interesting and well written and they will enjoy it or is it someone who only reads books about facts because that's reading too it's not less reading uh, if it's not literary fiction or or not a genre fiction book it can be a book about facts it can be history it can be science and it's still reading so or is it someone who fa- has a has has a hard time reading and then i would like try to find books that fit those children best and i'm kind of doing the same thing now at the library but with uh, a lot of more experience because now i can think of all the children that i have advised that have asked me about books and that have told me what books they liked and so i can even tell someone that i know a a boy that enjoyed this series that was the similar age as you something like that which is much more interesting for that child to know than that this uh, over 50 year old lady liked the book it's much more interesting to know that other children the same age as you liked the book <laughs> so i'm still using models of other people's reading habits to help children or young readers find that perfect book because that is something that i already did uh, at a very young age in the bookshop so why it is that from the same parents you have siblings that are so different that is something that fascinates me and uh, intrigues me and of course i don't have the answer to that question and no one has i think because we come from the same stock and still we are so completely different this is something that sometimes makes me wonder i only have one child my son and uh, it makes me wonder how the other children would have turned out if i'd had them but i didn't so my bad my fault my decision i have to live with that that i will never know how my other children would have turned out he is a voracious reader uh, so he turned out like his parents we both read a lot and he too and maybe our next child would have hated books who knows who knows yes so that is it for this episode i think i hope you enjoyed listening and for the f- ending i have a special treat in store my husband has composed a music piece for this podcast i have not yet found a way to include it with one of the episodes and this changes today i give you not just cheese and chocolate with rolf on the guitar and the harp